Welcome to The Dow Factor. I'm your host, Lisa Yu. I'm a tech investor, entrepreneur, and speaker that got into crypto in 2017. This podcast will cover crypto, DAOs, Web3 communities, and the key leaders behind them. For those who are new to DAOs, a DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization that's taking the world by storm. Today, I'm super excited to introduce to you our guest, Adam Place, founder of Music, powering the evolution of music and turning digital rights into digital assets. They are putting music on the blockchain. Music's mission is to unlock financial freedom for artists who share their creativity with the world. We believe that decentralized data and distribution is the biggest opportunity in our lifetime for musicians, artists, and creators. Adam, thank you for joining our podcast. First of all, what are you most passionate about and what motivates you to wake up every day? Well, thanks. It's, it's great to be here. And uh, I'd say that I'm most passionate about this, this, uh, this change, this, this redistribution of, of power and wealth that is taking place, that is empowering communities and uh, moving the uh, onus away from the, the few and onto the the many, and uh, I believe this is happening now with uh, this this new epoch of uh, Web three. That's incredible, and so you're applying this to obviously music and the project. Uh, what inspired you to start? So, <laughs> I guess if you go all the way back to um, you know like my background as a as a musician and kind of you know growing up playing instruments and getting involved in different music projects um and then kind of you know really feeling like it was a time to develop a like music career but then kind of seeing a broken industry in front of me and um with opportunities for actually kind of earning a living very limited um as a musician and, and an artist and um it it was really that that has made me kind of not do music for like 10 years or or 12 years or however long it's been since i i was just have been kind of focused on technology and you know technology businesses and music technology businesses um so that's i think the really like the driving motivation that's been kind of underpinning everything i do with music and um and i do see this as an opportunity to fix the music industry for good um if not just for now um you know potentially uh kind of uh corrupt corrupt forces could um you know kind of throw us off uh maybe for some period of time but i'd like to think that we could fix it you know for at least a generation right right so yeah yeah, well, you answered all my questions about what's your background, what's broken in the industry. Sounds like as a musician, you've been front row, you've seen all the problems firsthand. How are you looking to solve it? And how is music specifically looking to solve it? I think one of the big problems is the attribution issue. So there's just a lack of authoritative metadata that exists. Um, so like any music file can just be, you know, you could you could copy and paste my music file. You could put your name on it and you could release it as your music. You could actually even upload it to Spotify. Well, upload it through a distributor to Spotify and you could be releasing it. In, in, I'm not saying that you would, but you could. And 
that in itself is doesn't really make any sense because actually Spotify's got some of the most sophisticated algorithms in the world um, for recognizing music and the recommendation system that they've developed. These are actually used by medical companies now, um, you know, and and really like top end um, research employs the same recommender system that Spotify's built. If they were to direct efforts towards utilizing this kind of algorithm to recognize that you know, my track is my track and not your track, then we would not have this problem. Um, But evidently, it's not a problem that has been a priority for this organization to solve under the business model that they have. So the metadata itself and tying that to the file, we see that as an integral component of just ensuring that, you know, when you get served a musical experience, that's all going to be uh, related and connected back to the original creator. Yeah, I mean, that's so important that the original creator gets credit for their work and it's traceable and trackable. Um, and that's made possible by the blockchain. And and when you say the blockchain, you know, I think that there's been this opportunity, you know, since the emergence even of, of Bitcoin for something like this to, to, to exist for music. Um, but ultimately, like the kinds of different blockchains that we've seen springing up have generally just been orientated around, you know, financial, uh, the financial side and the transactions. Um, right. And we've seen some amazing innovation with that. And I think like DeFi is fantastic. Um, crypto is amazing um, as an asset class. I think it's like this is part of the transition that we're seeing. But but now with with music, we're building a blockchain that's designed for music. So uh, the the actual um, system itself is designed around musical measures and beats, right? So mm-hmm. um, and it's designed to 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 be able to host the data that recognizes the key, so that ultimately there's a future, there's an emerging uh, data set that can be useful for these musical fingerprinting applications in the allowing the music to be recognizable in different systems. Yeah. I love what you talked about, um, the digital fingerprinting, um, proof of ownership and authenticity. Um, That's something that in our current day and age, you know, everyone feels like there's always a clone of something on the other side of the world. So this is so important, so key, you know, to the future of music creation. So you, you were explaining kind of how it works Does it mean that the notes and the beats and the metadata are stored on chain? Tell me more about how this digital fingerprinting works and how it ensures authenticity for the creator. You know, if you imagined like the music itself as an object, right, that can be visualized through spectrograms. And then, you know, uh, as a, you know, as an algorithm, like we can map how these different peaks inside these spectrograms map over to other pieces of music as well and um that can allow us to kind of match mix and match up uh different kinds of patterns inside the music data itself right Mm. so one of the things we're doing is we're not just focused on like the overall track that's kind of been perfected right it's amazing what has been done with shazam 
and even now you can sing into your phone right yeah, and google incredible. will tell you yeah. tell you what the song is so karaoke, in your, is karaoke box in your pocket right right yeah so we've got like a an amazing really advanced music information retrieval system now the stuff that people were dreaming about only 10 or even five years ago um it's all here and ai makes that possible so what we're doing is we're breaking music down to its atomic level right so it's not even just the the track as the whole but it's the individual components so it's the stems including the so the multi-channel audio so independently the vocals instruments uh, the bass line and the drums and then also into the individual components of the track so Mm -hmm. like just a, a single drum loop has value as a piece of intellectual property and it's important that we recognize and honor that in our system even a beat right a single drum beat has value as uh as, as as something that somebody has created that gives us even more granular information about the characteristics of the track uh, and means that we can do even more advanced uh kind of mapping to to recognize the uh, the the music between that when somebody else is trying to upload it to claim it's their own yeah. or somebody just takes it and wants to use the track uh, for their own purposes, right? Yeah. You mentioned the drum beat and being able to track every beat, every note. Um, tell us about the inspiration behind music with the Amen, Amen Break, which was a drum beat um, that, you know, decades ago. So tell us that story, because I know that's that you mentioned, you mentioned it a lot um, and I want the audience to hear about it. Yeah, sure. So the Amen Break is um, is a is a percussive drum uh, pattern that you've probably heard before. Um, it's been used. It's been kind of foundational to hip hop music and in also drum and bass music, right? Um, which is another really popular genre of electronic music. And um, it was recorded, and it's also been sampled even by uh, in music like the F- Futurama soundtrack. Uh, it's been sampled by uh, or reproduced by David Bowie, Led Zeppelin. Um, it's a really popular uh, drum beat that you've that you've heard. Right. So that's it. Um, and that was actually originally recorded by a guy called Gregory Coleman in 1969 with a band. The track was called Amen Brother. And uh, it went on to get picked up at the beginning of sampling culture and became popular in hip hop, was sampled by N.W.A., and uh, as it after it was put onto a, a sampling album without attribution, right? Mm. So because it was a drum solo, it was a really nice, clean sample to to use at that point. And and then it's like it, it's become almost like a catchy tune, right? It, yeah. It's actually one of the few or one drum pat- pattern that people recognize at the same level. It's almost like if you're hearing like a really catchy melody or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's gone and been used in like thousands and thousands of different um, pieces of music, but the, the the really sad thing is is that the the, the guy who originally uh, produced this uh, this drum pattern, he died penniless um, on the streets of Atlanta. I know. Yeah, and um, and he had no idea about the impact that this music had on the world and and what his creation had had done and all of the different like amazing parties that people went to. And um, all of the different art that had been created, that had been inspired and, and utilized directly this this beat and, and this sequence of of drums. So 
that's uh that's just such a sad thing to have happened right that like and it shows you that you know before we had digital uh and you know digital uh data and music information retrieval it was actually really difficult to couple up to pair up the the original creator with uh this piece of sound right which is this kind of ephemeral thing now what we see is there's actually an opportunity to pair that all up uh, yes. from the point of creation right so so that's why that's one of the things that has been very important for uh for for us and, and it's a kind of key inspiration yeah oh that's amazing thanks for sharing that story it's it's like we don't need to repeat history again we now have technology and solutions to solve the problem yeah exactly like it's it's all here right like the technology is yeah. right in front of us we've got blockchains we've got music information retrieval it all yeah. works um but i think the problem is that the siloed approach to data that web2 takes just means that it's difficult for light to be shone on this information actually yeah. when i talk about what we do with music information retrieval we're just designing some standards that can enable these kinds of algorithms to develop and this kind of enforcement to take place so that creators end up getting paid properly or at least getting paid for what they're not currently getting paid for which is just kind of going missing well it sounds like you're an infrastructure play and you're creating technology to enable the creation the the securing the releasing and attributions um tell us about some of the, the awards that you won recently um thanks that you won Chainlink's hackathon twice in a row and the Filecoin Wizard Award and the Polkadot hackathon. So congrats, first of all, on um, being universally recognized by multiple protocols for, for your, for your um, achievements. But um, yeah, tell, tell us about some of the awards and the wins and what you were, were recognized for. I, I guess like, you know, when, when I was, trying to figure out how to break into this industry it kind of became apparent that and especially you know during kind of the latter years of covid and um it became apparent that hackathons were the way uh or a great way to meet a lot of people very quickly and um and also meet other enthusiastic developers that wanted to change the world mm -hmm. so um you know in the in whatever it was in it was actually in the last uh winter um, we entered the Chainlink Hackathon and um, largely with a team that we just met in Discord. And we built this uh, NFT Music Bond project that went on to receive the, the grand prize in the Hackathon, which was wow. kind of, yeah, like an amazing validation. And um, obviously, you know, the team that wins together stays together. And um, so we've kind of, it was a really amazing kind of galvanizing moment you know, after that was going out into the industry uh, with this with this offering and um, did find some friction as far as it goes with uh, people were seeing that, you know, the NFT bond offering, this kind of passes the Howey test, right? It, it looks like a security. Uh, it's a yield bearing asset. It probably is a security and mm -hmm. it's difficult to dress it up as a utility. Um, but what right. we were trying to do is offer up uh, something similar to a Bowie bond, right? Which was a great thing that David Bowie launched a bond. He raised $55 million and he used that to buy back his his rights uh, from, from his management team, right? So who owned 50% at the time. Uh, so finding all this friction in the marketplace and some kind of VCs were not, didn't want to get involved in something that looked like a security. Um, I, I realized that we were going to have to 
just kind of go back to the drawing board a bit and, and maybe go a bit deeper and a bit bigger. So Chainlink came along with uh, another hackathon, and this one was sponsored by Polkadot. So they raised up all of these interesting resources about Polkadot and understanding you know, how it actually works as a, as a consensus mechanism for layer ones. Um, so this gave us the some of the resources and uh, uh, and some of the kind of guidance to just get on with building like a layer one for music metadata. Wow. And um, so and along with that, we we brought in another um, another person I'd actually met before the Chainlink Hackathon, uh, who is a game designer and Unity developer. Um, so she joined in with our team for for this one as well, and um, to build out a kind of metaverse demo that leveraged the assets um, and then we also built a new nft standard that's designed to be it, it could be under the right like legal framework it's compliant as a security so we went on to win the uh the chain link uh, nft and gaming prize which is one of the major awards uh the file coin all of the music files are, sh are stored on ipfs so we won the file coin storage wizards award as well and wow. then we also won the Polkadot Parachains and Palettes Award, um, which was like, that's like an amazing, actually in total, the value of the, the prizes were more than the one that we won the grand prize for, um, just because as, as when you kind of top, toss up the actual, like, you know, financial, like the cash reward, that has been, yeah, that's just been some like really good validation from the industry. Obviously, you know, we're all kind of, it's a decentralized yeah. world. There's lots of different kinds of um, organizations behind these like protocols and projects that we know. Um, and, and so, you know, for some, but it's great that some of those individuals are inside these decentralized organizations have made a decision or, or partly decentralized organizations have made a decision that like music is doing something good. And, uh, yes. you know, it, it's, it, it opens up a, a path for us to be, to continue to build, um, use, utilizing some of these technologies and, and networks. I love that. It sounds like you set out to create something. The industry has recognize your achievements and that's inspiring you to continue moving forward and bringing more value to the industry yeah that's right i think that it's kind of um you know i think that it's it is in this kind of remote first world it's difficult to know where people are hanging out right and like where right. where is this stuff being built and you know what we've found is like our team is based all over the world now from yeah. uh, New Zealand to California. Um, it's really like it couldn't be like a wider range. <laughs> and um, and we literally deal. It's I think it's yeah four or, or yeah four continents. So um, that's kind of been pretty gnarly to, <laughs> to handle. You need to find a musician in like. Antarctica. <laughs> right. Yes. Somebody actually asked me the other day. I went to the call and he said, Where are you? And and somehow he heard that I I'd said I'm in the Arctic, right? I can't <laughs> I can't remember what I actually said to, to make him think that, uh -huh. but um, I can understand that. That's yeah, totally I mean that's you I could be in the Arctic as it doesn't really matter. Like we've been able to pull this team together and we've been able to work together. And it's obviously right. sometimes it could be tiring, but you know, it's uh it's fine you know you could just take downtime in different kinds of parts of the day and uh, uh and and then ramp up at, uh, you know in in the evening or the morning so to facilitate the all of the international dialogue right i love that i mean it's great to have a diverse decentralized team you know obviously like 
I'm curious, what are some of the core values of music and how does that align with Web3? I think that, you know, one way to describe like what we're working on is self-sovereign music. You know, like a right is something that's kind of inferred onto you by uh, an outside authority. You know, it's great. We've got rights, but um, an asset, that's something that you control and something that you own. Um, And you don't need an authority to tell you that you shouldn't need an authority to tell you that the idea of self-sovereign music is you've got control um you've got somebody that's using your music in a way you don't like you should be able to control that you should be able to like take it back this is a massive problem um you know yeah. donald trump kept on using the rolling stones uh as in his rallies and he and they couldn't stop him there's obviously a sensitivity that musicians have around like the usage of their music in certain contexts right when the world is running on music rails, that problem can be solved. Yes. And that will be a bright future for creators to actually have full ownership and creative rights to their works of art. Yeah. That's amazing. So let's talk about the rise of DAOs. So, you know, there are now about 5,000 DAOs and over a million DAO members. We're still very much in the early stages. You know, how are you looking to make DAOs more of a common thing? I know that Newsic also has a a DAO arm. So tell us tell us all about that. I think that you know, like we're just starting to really understand the capacity of DAOs as um, you know a, a kind of a force for like social good and social change. And obviously, there are some great examples already. I think from like new, the, the perspective, from Newsic's perspective, um, for to actually implement the Newsic DAO, um, this is something that the way I see it is like almost like a kind of decentralized music regulator, right? Um, and, and by that, I mean, who's going to take care of the authentication that needs to happen on our right. protocol, right? It's not, we can't, the worst thing to happen would be that you just have people like doing the same thing that they were doing before or or like people just uploading other people's stems that's really like the opposite of what we want yeah that's and the old model that's the old that's the, well that's yeah that's like the broken model yeah which and so um and of course like and i i've been talking about how great music information retrieval is and like what it could do in recognition there is a certain amount of automation that can happen but we can't trust ai to just do the whole job for us mm-hmm. so the way I see Music DAO ultimately is like a decentralized attestation network, right? Yeah. So the attest the attestors are individuals or industry bodies um, that have some kind of credentials that mean that they have some authority to be able to authenticate and then you know get rem- you know proportionally remunerated for the the work that is done. Um, obviously the big problem would be if there was, if, if this kind of organization became centralized around like some specific component of the industry that ended up utilizing this for some kind of malicious purposes or just trying to revert us back to business as usual. Um, and I think, but I think that's what decentralization solves, right. And transparency solves and the kinds of tools that we're seeing for DAOs, um, are going to enable it to be possible that we can have a truly decentralized organization that can also operate autonomously in the middle of humans that are actually, you know, doing uh, the, 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 the jobs that yeah. can actually get them paid as well. Um, and mm-hmm. to make, make sure that 
the actual data flows that are being ingested uh, by the layer one are like correct. I guess I realized that the DAO, the Nuzik DAO is quite a big project in itself. Originally, I thought we could do the whole thing as a DAO, but practically speaking, like we need to be able to drive forwards the product development and the roadmap and all that stuff. And a DAO is like, you have to build a whole infrastructure to hold everyone together right so it's like a mini country i mean if it gets big enough <laughs> it's like a village right yeah i think it's really interesting the the topic of DAOs, and it, i can't wait for music DAO to be a thing that you know could really bring in very like important uh components and players uh to ensure that music is like honored in yes. in the way that that we that we uh, want it to be definitely i mean it sounds like DAOs creates this like level of accountability checks and balances to make sure that all the humans are in agreement and respecting each other because you you make those agreements at the beginning and as you join a DAO sounds like there's the the core tenants there's the values and people are operating you know across a shared set of values i am aware of some great work that is being done um, by some some DAOs and you know I, I really you know I intend to get more involved especially stuff that synergizes with music and like pushing the industry forwards um, and that I can see that there's a there's like there are some synergies that we've got with uh, with some other DAOs out there. Yeah no I like comparing this to you know decentralized ownership right it's all about transferring ownership from a single authority or a single label um, or manager and it's the ownership is decentralized amongst the people and it's kind of like as if uber or lyft drivers actually got shares of the company for contributing to the business rather than being contractors it's like as if the musicians who write the songs actually get shares and create value um, and can also bring other fans to also co-own bodies of work do you see that you know um as a benefit of running a dao is just the more shared ownership and distribution and support, you know, for the actual creator. I think the transparency is the thing. Like if everything's on chain, um, I could even consider that in the future, like a DAO will be the back end of like a project management system. So like you can actually see the uh everybody, the work that everybody's doing, and and that's all uh kind of attributed into the into the project management system itself in the future i'm sure we'll have like some really like awesome tools uh for that that don't just need to be about like the kind of financial incentives or like the pool of capital that has been created by the dow i think transparency and like you know sunlight is the best cleanser right so yes. really as we yes. bring this data light. out into bring the, the data to light Exactly. Yeah. Then, you know, it's not like, I think the right now the record labels are, you know, historically profitable. It's like they couldn't be more profitable. And the reason for that is that, you know, when Spotify was coming up and, and they joined the board and, and they determined the licensing fees that were being paid, they were looking at a way to return the industry to growth. So that deal that's been done is very much part of a, a, a world that we're not in anymore. And um, and and so I think that even the individuals inside these organisations are aware that this kind of profitability is is not sustainable. And I think that now looking at Web three, 
um, there's a recognition of there's an, there's an opportunity for way more revenue that comes in through a, a numerous sources. Um, and, and, and ultimately, you know, we're growing the pie for, for everyone in the industry. And uh, it, 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 although like the labels may not be as hugely profitable as they are in the future, as they are right now, um, they're going to be making more money in total. Well, yeah. We looked at Go the data, it. right? The, what the industry will grow to become a $130 billion industry in like 2032. I mean, that's a huge amount of growth in the next 10 years. Yeah. And, and in some ways it, it could, you know, it could well exceed that if you look at what's going on with NFTs and, you know, wow. the kind of gamification around like microtransactions and, and all of that. The gaming industry has like really accelerated and, and overtaken uh the music industry completely like we're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars of value today versus like 24 billion dollars for the music industry but you know like whatever it was like in, in the last few decades they they were on par together right so right. that we we need to learn from those those models and understand how we can um you know give more value back to artists and creators yeah. i know like kind of Take a page from the gaming industry through the microtransactions. The gaming industry has 10x in a very short period of time. Who's to say we can't do that for the music industry? Right. There's only going to be like a small percentage of users that are spending like big money on, you know, the like these kinds of things, but, but uh, like it, it, these kinds of, um, you know, in app purchases and the rest of it. But um, but in the, on the music context, that's about like fans, you know, super fans that like really want to get connected with their favorite artists. Well, we're already starting to see these interesting models emerging out of these NFTs that are being released. And, and I think at the end of the day, like an NFT ends up being it doesn't need to be this like kind of uh, esoteric J jpeg um, and 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 that's all it is i think you know the once these uh once these contracts are integrated into like the infrastructure of different kinds of music products it's going to become invisible and and really you're just buying like you know yeah. access and you know like regular connections with your favorite artists and um we won't think about them as nfts in the same way we'll just think about them as like it's a way to prove that you're that and it's a, it's a way to access these specific relationships and, and, and validate yourself uh, mm -hmm. in your amongst your peers as a super fan yeah that's super fun I, I can't wait for that to roll out um so it sounds like music also helps musicians mint nfts is that right yeah so with the you know the metadata itself and the distribution of the files like that's all kind of taken care of like between the music layer one and um currently ipfs but the uh the asset layer is uh, is basically where like these these uh tracks this data this music data in combination with the files are made into assets. Ooh. So the, yeah. So that anyone oh, so, then, and, so then the artist yeah. can own the actual asset and have self-sovereignty over it. That's right. Yeah. That's like where, you know, if, if they, if that's what the artist wants to do, then, you know, they can, they can break up their track and they can offer up individual components of the track that can then go on to be used, you know, like they can offer up full commercial rights. So we've actually just released an, uh, activation with a, uh, a a meta artist called Yatta, um, so who's a pixelated geisha, and um, she's actually come up with this this track 
which is being offered up in its constituent components. So you can buy, like, for example, just the percussions from the chorus and um, and other, you know, other parts. You could buy like the whole verse or the whole breakdown if you liked. Um, but we've created a track explorer so wow. anyone can come in and mint a specific component of the track and then have full commercial rights to that. That's incredible. I love that. This will be completely changing the music industry because you can buy and sell parts of your song and cross pollinate and, you know, buy or sell the drum beat or the or the verses or the choruses but you could get to still maintain rights of your song as an artist. And you can choose when you, what rights you keep, you can choose what rights you share, you can choose you know, fractionalized um, portions of your song so that you can invite fan base to co-own your song. I mean, I feel like all the possibility and combinations are endless. Right, yeah, I mean, it's very exciting to just be seeing uh, this and, and to be at this in this paradigm where you know, we're starting to learn more about like how TikTok pays uh, for the tracks that get used in that. But that's currently a black box as right. well. And, and it's you probably know, so small that it's insignificant. You know, it's been coming in like revenue from TikTok, uh, you know, in the last like, you know, two years. Right. Like we're starting to see it trickling in. But, you know, what what we have to do is we have to start using these rails that allow like real attribution and real ownership and and that's going to force the industry to adopt um because at the end of the day i think gen z are a very principled generation they care a lot about big issues um and they'll stop using apps that don't actually compensate users properly i do believe that passionately i agree i mean i i see people ditching certain platforms because it's no longer serving them or it's becoming very extractive. And I'm really excited to see all these new decentralized applications spring up, these new layer ones, um, having transparency and clarity and ownership. It's like giving creators freedom and autonomy for the first time. I'm super excited to liberate creators and their creative works um, what are the long-term goals of music and the DAO? And you know, do you plan to create music or you're acting more of a, as a supporting mechanism for artists? You know, really like the, long, the long-term goals are to, uh, for, for music to become the, the rails, the decentralized infrastructure that provides music to, you know, it's not just the listener, but to the, you know, to the whoever's going to interact with that that music, right? So yeah. it includes music production um, and, and and other producers that you know want to use a part of a song to make a remix or uh, use a part of a song to make it into a different kind of song. For that to be helpful for like disputes, right? It it should be possible to determine who, you know, when infringement has taken place or not. And then, so you know, I recognize the music DAO as ultimately kind of contributing to a, a new way of understanding um, intellectual property that will ultimately shape the the laws that we have, right? Like yeah. most of the laws that exist have just been set up based on stuff that happened like years ago, right? So mm-hmm. I think that 
you know, it would be great to see Nuzik Dow as like a lobbying force that can actually improve like the intellectual property infrastructure um, so that like creators are properly paid. And, you know, but by starting with the tech and making sure that that is robust, um, then we can kind of clean up the way that our like that component of politics works. And I think the good thing about music is it's such a universal it's such a universal thing and everyone, I mean, not everyone loves music, but most people really love music and and can see this problem. So I think that on a political level, it's like, it's possibly easier to address than some of the bigger, thornier political issues that uh, exist in the world today that would also benefit from the power of blockchain um, as, as those of us that have looked into it know. Look at what happened with Napster. It just kind of, everybody loves music. So they just wanted to share and they wanted to use this uh, this piece of software. And it's kind of sad that actually it was actually kind of the, the canary in the coal mine for creators like losing uh, losing out on and, and the, or the music industry really changing as a result of that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, as consumers, we won with Napster, but what have we lost? Um, you know, we've lost uh, we've lost some revenue streams for for creators and and obviously the music industry reacted badly but yeah you know yeah well it sounds like you're creating a world where both can exist the musician can have ownership rights and make money with their craft but they can also now share with each other properly transparently in a in a really streamlined way and you're creating the rails for that yeah, the music industry as exists as it as it exists today is largely going to exist in the next ten years or the next twenty years, um, but it'll be different, right? And mm-hmm. um, it's, it's not adapting to change. Yeah, yeah. This technology is is just giving us the, um, you know, like it's kind of democratizing what what have have been very closed systems that you know we don't know really what's mm-hmm. going on. Um, behind the closed door i believe the beginning of a musical renaissance that will actually bring about the transformation yeah. of culture and i think that many of us that like you know uh recognize the capacity of blockchain like you know back in you know when whenever like in the last uh decade and a bit you know we still believe that there's that opportunity and um and i i think the nfts have kind of brought some of the tech to the mainstream uh, but I believe it's going to be music that brings it to everyone, and everyone can see the value yes. of of, uh, of what this what these what this technology could could offer the world. Well, because culture is so much shaped by music, so music is one of those things that crosses all borders. Like you'll see certain music genres cross overseas, uh, you know, different countries, and it's such a unifying force. So I really think. Your music and distribution um, could be the arm into getting Web3 out to people. Like people are going to start becoming more open to this notion of decentralized data, decentralized finance, decentralized content, right? And now we have digital assets and it makes the distribution easier and more streamlined. And the best of all is it attributes rights and ownership to to the to the rightful owner and i think that is such an important cause so yeah thank you for building all of this and for you know contributing to the industry i'm curious you know 
a couple questions just to get to know you more. What are your favorite musicians growing up and who are your favorite musicians now? Okay. Yeah, cool. Um, so I think, you know, I was very influenced by, you know, electronic artists like Aphex Twin and um, Square Pusher, like really shaped my teenage years. Um, like the first CD I ever bought when I was 10, I think, was the Spice Girls. Um, <laughs> your so that's, that's quite, that was the, that's where I started. And then mm -hmm. I ended up with some of these uh, electronic artists. When I was a student, I was fortunate enough to be able to go and study in Japan. Um, and then I got into karaoke oh, wow. and actually got into Queen then. Like I didn't even know Queen before going to like a karaoke booth and, <laughs> um, and my, some of my friends that I was with, some of the other exchange students and some of the Japanese students that we'd met were like, it's Queen. And so, so I actually, that was the first time I'd learned really and I got to know Queen, who I love, right? And especially in that kind of context. Now my favorite band is, is probably the XX. I saw them, yeah, I saw them live um, a couple of years ago and it was just like Romy came out at the beginning and, um, and I was like, what are they going to start? What are they going to open with? And they started playing Introduction, right? Which is like the song everyone knows. And it's like on all the commercials. And I was thinking, part of me thought like, oh no, they started with intro. That's so cheesy. But then <laughs> within minutes, although within seconds, like, like there were just tears like flooding down my face, you know? And it wow. was just like this, I can't, I can't believe it. This is, it was the best thing. And You're like, here, hearing it live. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And even like at the end, like even Jamie XX was crying, you know, it was like, it was just wow. so like the, the, just the, the mood in the room yeah. was just, um, it was unbelievable. Well, the, the collective experience of listening to a unified sound, there's something definitely very emotional and impactful about that. It's so important actually. And, um, you know, it's sad that we don't get that opportunity or, you know, things have changed and, it's um you know we've kind of gone into the metaverse and you know that's actually that's actually a good thing in some ways like there's really real opportunities um from that and and i think that um and it is it is a good thing that we can live like you know kind of closer to nature actually now in um in this world right yeah. so uh but but yeah i think it is also like live you know live music and you know connecting um with the artists is also that's uh, so important Oh, definitely. And it sounds like, you know, for those who can't attend concerts, there's on their roadmap, you talk about music in the metaverse, where people can still listen and have experiences online. Um, as I mentioned in this last hackathon, um, we ended up building out a music festiverse. So this is oh. actually a music festival. And we, we, we streamed some of the some music from some of the, the, the biggest kind of NFT music hits. Right. And then we also had the uh, some some of the we had an NFT, an interactive NFT uh, that could be experienced. You could unlock um, some some music from the, the artist I mentioned who we've been collaborating with uh, Yatta. That was a cool um project and, and and i think you know it's kind of opened up like really like you know i guess the future for music is understanding music as as metaverse property right yeah. so like we could see uh you know the land sales that we see in the world like it there's arbitrary scarcity and really land isn't such a good analogy for a metaverse right just because <laughs> 
it's it's fixed to our planet. We've only got a finite amount of land. But in a metaverse, it's all digitally expansive, right? You can expand forever. So thinking about music as a universe um, and thinking about how we understand the, you know, the musical, the finite amount of music that's being produced, um, but is always expanding every time somebody creates something new. Yeah. So new generation will be replenishing the music ecosystem. Yes. Right. Yeah. So if we could understand music as metaverse property, um, that's probably like a better analogy for the metaverse than than land. And um, I think that's kind of that's where we're going. And that's what, you know, we're looking to how like do we facilitate that as Mm -hmm. as also a tangible experience that, you know, music intellectual property is intangible. Um, if you visualize it, it becomes tangible. And then, you know, if you have a smart contract connected to that, then you can make sure that like, you know, the owner or the creator has, uh, you know, they can control that and they can offer that up how they, how they deem fit to mm-hmm. like, you know, a, 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 an audience that, that wants to connect with that and enjoy the appreciation of, of this as an asset. Right. Yeah. Well, I can't wait for this festiverse to be born and maybe I'll end up DJing at one of these future events. <laughs> that would be great. I think it's it's interesting, but if you think about an analogy to like in my, you know, say in my career, like when I've been like working as a as an agent or as a as a promoter, it's always like when the artists like come out and you fly or somebody flies out or, or when I've been on the other side actually as an artist, like when I when I've been flown out and then somebody comes and picks you up at the airport and then they'll like look after you. And there's a parallel universe of the the metaverse and booking artists that could be like a really cool way to onboard artists into into a musical metaverse right um so if if you see what i mean like in that in that context where you've been like beamed away from your usual context and received and then um you know you're being looked after by the promoters it's like you're a captive audience actually so it's good it's a good time to to introduce people to like new things that and that's kind of what the metaverse is right like it's it's a new thing and there's there's an equivalent of that which is like hey here's your avatar that you know you could use this or you can collaborate with our team to make it even better um so yeah of course like you 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 need to come and play in metaverse like when when we uh do more activations like this yeah definitely well what's your advice to people who are just getting into web3 the metaverse deciding if they should start or join a DAO? People like always rave about water and music. And, you know, I've been lucky to meet some of those guys. Um, and I think, so if you're looking at, to get in via the music route, then, um, you know, I think there's a lot of really good research around DAOs and everything like that. Like knowing um, like how people relate to that and, and having met some of those, those people and heard um, what they're talking about and, uh, you know, full disclosure, I haven't like deeply looked into this DAO myself, but it's one that like I definitely want to join um, based on everything I hear, like their reputation. Also from the music industry itself, um, their reputation is really amazing, right? Like there are people like performance rights organizations that are joining Water and Music to try and figure out how we can put the music industry on chain. I do um, see that as, a, as something that's some like great, organization um and then yeah i think that i guess like for crypto broadly like definitely um you know get hold of some 
and figure out what's going on and start using these protocols. Um, obviously, like there are issues around security. So learn about security. It's really important. Um, there's still, because it's such a big opportunity, it's not that surprising that it's going to be full of scammers. And um, But that happened at the beginning of the internet as well, right? And look at where we are <laughs> now. Like everyone's confidence, of, you know, everybody's confidence to put their credit card details into a website. So it's not like, I think it's easy to look at crypto and think that, you know, it, it's just a scam <laughs> um, because a lot of it is actually, but like, that's not to say that there isn't like, you know, 10% of the crypto community that's actually building the future. And, and that's where you want to be. Right. So uh, mm-hmm. I think those would be probably like my top tips off the bat. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing. And um, how can people join music and how can people follow you? Yeah, so we're on we're on uh, Twitter, right? So it's actually Nuzik Dow, one word, um, and you can uh, you can go on a website which is Nuzik.fm, and um, yeah, and then and that's got a link to our Discord as well. Okay, well check out the website Nuzik.fm, follow the Discord, check out the Twitter, and just to wrap it up, what is a personal motto that you live by or a quote that inspires you? That's a good one. Ah, oh, you know, the thing is, it's, I, I, I've only got cheesy ones off the top of my head, right? That's but, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, like be the change, be the change that you want to see in the world. The change, yes. Yeah, I mean, Gandhi, right? But obviously that's just such an important thing to live by, right? Like I think that we could all agree with that. Yeah, of course. Well, Adam, thank you so much for being on our podcast and sharing all about music and what you're doing for the music industry is incredible. I'm sure many people will be reaching out, following up, and it sounds like there's also an NFT launch coming out in the fall, so we'll all be looking for that. And yeah, excited to join the Festiverse. Thanks for joining us this week on season one of The Dow Factor. Follow The Dow Factor on Twitter and YouTube to watch videos of our podcast, where we'll be dropping a new video every week featuring key leaders of DAOs, community builders, and leaders in Web3.